Hi, George. Hi, George. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. It is wine day. Wine cheers Wednesday. to you, friend. Ooh, that was a good cheers. That was a good cheers. Hi, George. Hi, George. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Cheers. Cheers. What are we drinking today? Prosecco. Fancy. Let's see. It is a solo Prosecco. Superiore. My favorite part of our podcast is you trying to pronounce the fancy wines we're drinking. It's from Italy. This is perfect, actually. I was missing Italy today. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to bring yourself back. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm not just drinking to drink. I'm drinking for nostalgia. Like, (laughs) (laughs) totally. (laughs) So, um, on this Italian vibe that you have, did you bring a wine or wine with you today? I brought... Well, okay. I'm happy now, but I brought a kind of a big wine. So because you have Prosecco. I know. I'm so happy with Prosecco. So this will make everything better. Um, this week has been the worst. Mm-hmm. It's just been a shit week. So mm-hmm. reference episode one of the Whining Moms podcast and do as I say and not as I do as it relates to prioritizing yourself. Because I did not do this this week. Um, I work for a company... Um, I'm Caroline, by the way, and I work for a company who our busy season is Q4. So as we're recording this, we're in the end of December and things are nuts. Um, So I'm waking up to a couple hundred emails every day Mm -hmm. and just craziness. Um, While you take care of your two-year-old. While I take care of my two-year-old. So I have a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, my daughter Claire, and um, she is home with us full-time because of COVID. And so I've been juggling work and toddlerhood full time. And my husband is there and he helps with lunch and things like that. But he, his job is not quite as flexible. So so you're doing two overtime jobs. It's real hard to prioritize yourself <laughs> when you're doing two jobs that require it's a lot. all of your energy. Um, yeah. the, the thing that I'm whining most about, though, this whole thing, is not that. Because I haven't even really felt that stressed. I mean, mm-hmm. it sucks in the moment, but we have a schedule. I get up really early and work. That's the problem. I know. You're not feeling your stress. (laughs) I'm not feeling my stress. That is the problem. So I get up really early, work, and then I hang with Claire when she wakes up and we do like, you know, her little activities. And then I work during her nap and then at night. Mm -hmm. Um, Not the best. And on top of it, you know, it's our busy season. So I get like urgent emails and urgent Mm -hmm. things. And my toddler is yelling at me to not work. She's like, don't work. Or my favorite you're doing it wrong. <laughs> work, Your job? Work different. Yeah. Oh. That's what I've gotten. Sure. Yeah. Work different was great. She was uh, acting as the pillow behind my back on my office chair and yelling at me to work different. So she's <laughs> officially the worst boss so I've like ever had. you're in like playhouse version of a work office where your pillow is talking to you and telling <laughs> yes. you you're not doing a good job. Um, or, you know, if I have to answer a quick email while she's like playing, even mm. if she's playing and not paying attention to me, she yells at me and she's like, mommy, don't work. No phone. So I have like the mom guilt. I told yes. you today I... Uh, conducted a meeting with puppets on my hands so that it would keep her from yelling at me to Which not... you're being literally super mom right now. But the, so the thing is, is like, I haven't been processing the stress and I haven't been prioritizing anything that would be a stress outlet because mm-hmm. I, of just lack of time. And mm-hmm. I get it. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day, but I stopped running. I stopped even just making the 30 yeah. minutes of time and my body... Survival mode. Yeah, total survival mode. And I keep thinking, okay, it's just a couple more weeks because we're coming up on Christmas. And then after the first of the year, it's like cleanup mm-hmm. for my business. Um, but my body has decided to revolt mm-hmm. and um, had other ideas. So I've had this like weird reaction where my eyes swelled up, which yes. is great. So as we're drinking Prosecco, my eyes are super red and beautiful um, but they've just been like really puffy and uncomfortable. I got vertigo symptoms I mentioned in the last episode. Yeah. Um, so talk to a doctor. Turns out my body is responding to the stress that I'm not processing. Yes. <laughs> and uh, either it's that. There. It's there whether you want to process it or not. Here's the kicker though. It's either that or my house is trying to kill me. Oh. And I'm like allergic to everything and like the carpet from the previous owners because we're in a rental right now while we wait to build our house. And... Um, so that could be the other option, but I've never had allergies that have a carpet cleaner. You want a carpet cleaner? Yeah. I mean, we steamed everything. We've done everything. 
Um, and it's probably that cat that you don't actually, that lives at your house. <laughs> there is this neighborhood cat that just appears whenever we're on walks that I'm my daughter has adopted. I'm telling you, before you did. I, no, apparently it's somebody else's. I all the other so. neighborhood people say it's somebody else's cat. I think they think it's somebody else's cat. They call it by the name. Sunshine? No, Marlo, <laughs> which I'm not okay with because now it's Sunshine. My daughter has named her Sunshine. This but, cat, like, sits on her porch and just, like, <laughs> lives there. Yeah. And then if I come over to your house, it follows me because I smell like you. I think it lived in your house once. Maybe. And you're um, to it. I'm, yeah, well, I know that cats bother my allergies, but that's besides the point. So it's either the stress or the allergies. Um, either way, we're trying to figure it out. Um, and the good news is it's only a couple of weeks. That'll be this stressful. I have a few days off next week, so that's a win. That is a win. And I kept a tiny human alive for all of 2020. You while did. working full-time and making sure she had, like, educational activities and all of You've that You've been crap. doing an amazing job Thanks, with Sarah. all of the things. And it's it's just, you have so many things going on at one time. There's not time to do the self-care, and that's hard. Yeah. So, but, you know, we're just in survival mode, like you said. Surviving. So, hopefully, um, I will be able to take my own advice in 2021, and we'll see what happens. Yes. How about you? You have a win or a win? Well, uh, real quick, um, I do have a win. If you noticed when you came into my lovely recording studio of a closet here that you did not walk by piles of laundry in the hallway because I washed, folded, and put away two loads of laundry all on the same day. Crushing it. Crushing it. So I did that and I told my husband because usually it's like a process by which we all (laughs) participate. Like I'll wash it and it'll end up in baskets and then like my husband and my daughter will be folding it while I'm doing something else. And um, he's like, no way. It all got put away because it was like it never happened. It was magical. So I'm going to need you all to stop wearing clothes now. <laughs> right? I'm like, I've refused to do laundry ever since. So that is my major win for the week. But uh, Good job. Yes. So I just had to share that because I feel like all moms and humans can relate to the fact that the laundry is just an ongoing, never-ending pile of nonsense. Actually, one of my best friends, he calls it his wardrobe. Because he washes all the clothes and they're clean. Wardrobe. But then they just end up in a pile and that's where he selects his clothes for the day. And I'm like, what are you doing? I know. My entire family has a floor drobe now, so I can't even make fun of him for it. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Brian calls that his gently used pile. He'll take something off that he, like, wore for it. but he doesn't wear them at all. Like, he he washed them, (laughs) dried them, and then just doesn't hang them up. (laughs) That's really funny. So, um... I feel like he'll be happy to have a shout out in our podcast here with his floor drove. Hopefully that'll catch on. But, that uh, made my day. So thank you for whoever was the creator <laughs> of the floor drove. <laughs> but yeah, that's also an adulting thing, right? Too, you have your gently used pile that's like not dirty enough to wash, but also not clean enough to hang up. Right. So then you just don't, nobody really has a good spot for that. The gently used pile makes me stabby because he'll put like an item or two in the gently then it ends up like and then there's 15 things that I then just take to the washing machine. And... Because they're, they don't actually get worn again. Right. Right. I feel like that's just his way of not taking it to the and washing And somehow my husband has like triple the amount of clothes that I have. I don't know how they do it. And how do his clothes never like age? My clothes all age terribly and have holes. Because girls' clothes are twice as expensive as boys' clothes and also twice A quarter as of the quality. Yeah. So, also makes me stabby. I know, right? But my wine for the week is kind of more, I just want to ask our listeners for some advice. Um, So what we're going to transition to is our topic on breastfeeding today, which is just a whole topic that will probably come up a lot in our podcast anyway. So I wanted to kind of do a deep dive into just our experiences with breastfeeding today. Um, But my, I guess, a little bit of a wine is that my son, who is 22 months old, we, he weaned very quickly from breastfeeding, not too long after he turned a year old. Um, we were down to just maybe like a couple feeds. And then probably for the last six months, he's been down to just his feed before bed. And I cannot get him weaned from it. I've tried, and he just yells for me from his room, and it breaks my heart Aww. because there's a pandemic going on. I'm like, what else am I doing? I'm sitting on my couch. I can feed you for three minutes before you go right. to bed. Like, um, so I guess that's kind of my mind is that I'm pretty ready to be done, but there's also nothing else that I am doing that's prohibiting me from just doing that one feed before bed, um, that he still feels like he needs. So that's kind of my thing that I don't know. Cause I, I didn't, it, it was a little bit different with my daughter. So I'm the one of us that is a stay at home mom. This is Jocelyn speaking. Um, and I have my five-year-old and my 22 month old that I breastfed both of them. And we'll go ahead and talk more about that in the episode here ahead but with him I just don't know how to wean from that last one so if you find us on 
the Windy Moms Podcast Instagram. Send us a direct message. I'll get the advice out there to the other listeners as well if anybody else has this question as I'm nearing the end of my breastfeeding journey here. Yes. Um, is there any way to just gently get them off that last feed? Will they all, Will he all of a sudden just stop? I don't want to have to have a bunch of tears, especially because I'm home anyway. So. Right. The last thing you need in a pandemic is extra stress. Right. If it's something that's comforting him, it's not the end of the world, but I would like to wean him off of it, and I just don't know how because we're down to literally less than five minutes once a night. Yeah, um, but that less than five minutes too also is like your something. body. Yes, it's so cl- it's so close, but it's so far. Yeah. So, yeah. So let us know what your thoughts are on that because there's so many different perspectives out there, and that's kind of what we'll chat about today. But definitely keep us posted on tips to help with that. Yes. Thank you. So, well, as we dive into our top main topic on breastfeeding here, we were both kind of discussing we we've had three very different breastfeeding experiences amongst us because you pumped exclusively with Mm -hmm. breastfeeding. My daughter and my son both ate from the breast, but very different experiences with both of them. So I wanted to kind of talk with our listeners about our experiences in case that helps somebody that's going through it now. Because I know for me, reading about other people's experiences and following things online and whatnot helped me feel like I wasn't alone in the breastfeeding journey. Totally. But, But before we even get to that, just kind of talking about what we knew about breastfeeding before we started, before we even had our tiny humans and kind of what that looked like. Yeah. So for me, I like, I went to the breastfeeding classes and they, I think it was one class actually. Wait, pause. Um, Were you breastfed as a child? Like, do you know if your mom no, breastfed No, I was you? not. Okay. Me either. Yeah. Did your mom ever talk to you about that? Well, no, because she didn't really have, I think she said that for her, I think it just wasn't as practiced then. Right, like that wasn't the popular... No, and she would have been very excluded from everything if she chose to do that because it would have been very... Taboo to be... Yes, to be breastfeeding. So, um, so yeah, so we don't have that that kind of information as we do with so many other things with parenting that you can just ask the generation above you, yeah. So I did a class and read about it and stuff, but everything I personally heard was just like, oh, it's natural, give it a try. And then my kind of anecdotes from other people were more... That they tried it, maybe they were successful for eight weeks, or maybe they were mm. successful for three months, or whatever it was. It so was temporary very success much is what you think? Very temporary success. So I remember going into my breastfeeding journey thinking, okay, well, I'm going to try it. Anytime anyone asked me if I was going to breastfeed, I would say, yeah, I'm going to try and mm-hmm. see how it goes. Because I felt like that was the right answer that I should try. Because now in our generation, it's expected that you should at least try. Right. I feel like there's this culture of like bullies that say if yes. you're not breastfeeding, it's like equivalent to child abuse. And I. Right. Which is not okay. Yeah. Why do you get to tell me what I should do with my boobs? Nobody should be asking you about your boobs. <laughs> oh. No. Like, there's something about being a pregnant human that people think that they can ask you about all of your body parts and experiences in a way that they don't ask you in any other part of your life. Like, no, please. Yeah. Stop asking me about what I'm going to do with my boobs after my baby's here. But um, <laughs> yeah. So that was my. my reply was always I'm going to try but I fully also believed I was going to fail because I feel like that's also in our culture as well of yes you should try but also it's nothing that anybody lasts that long at okay see I had a different experience where I heard I always thought like oh it's supernatural and I remember like thinking like oh it's this great thing you can do for your babies and like the only people I really ever knew that I saw like breastfeeding like my sister-in-law breastfed her twins um for a really great stretch of time and she's actually was a lactation consultant, I believe, like at the time where I was like kind of going through childbirth and all of that. And I remember her talking about how hard it can be. Mm-hmm. And my mom never breastfed. Um, she, she never breastfed me. And she was telling me the same thing, like, oh, I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a different time and it was more taboo. So I like kind of was exposed to like how hard it can be mm-hmm. while I was pregnant. And so then I panicked because the researcher in me was well, like, and the moms, like other friends of mom, their moms would say, oh, it's supposed to hurt when you do it. Too. Right. So that's part of the, how hard it would be also from the generation above. Right. I had somebody tell me I should loofah. TMI, get ready, but like loofah my nipples to like to get them, them ready. Up. I remember you telling me that. I was like, stop, no, what? No. <laughs> that was like actual advice I got. And the other person that was like in our friend group was like, oh yeah, I had to do that for my second pregnancy and it really helped. So I, I mean, who knows? But did you loofah your boobs? No. Okay. I, I mean, I tried to like once and I was like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um, because like, why? Right. 
and then I went to I did also take the the class at the hospital because I checked all the boxes of what Mm -hmm. you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. all the things and um my prep was like obsessive I was like reading all the articles and checking all the boxes and I still came out with like conflicting information Mm -hmm. we talked on our last episode about how like you have to advocate for yourself with doctors and Mm -hmm. in my um in my breastfeeding class the nurse was all about breastfeeding and very you know it's the best thing you can do for your baby and Mm -hmm. of course everyone there is trying Mm -hmm. and there was a girl in my class who said i'm going to exclusively pump and the nurse like turned her nose down at her is that Mm. the right saying turned her nose down anyways she was judgy nose up yeah the wheels are off the bus over here. Um, she, like, was very judgy and was like, you don't want to have that bond with... And, like, I remember feeling like this is the they person are... who is training mm-hmm. you on how to be successful and what you're trying mm-hmm. to do, this nice thing for your human. Mm-hmm. And Which I had my mother... Because lactation consultants are extremely helpful. Like, take all the... Anytime they say, would you like the lactation consultant to come visit you in the hospital if you are choosing to breastfeed? Yes, have them come because they help with the, the yeah. positioning and whatnot. But I also got a lot of that as well of the judgment of right there being a certain way and expectation. Well, and I was so surprised because it was like my first real experience of like, who is this lady and why does she have an opinion on her tits? And also like, she's she's here. Like she's yeah. signed up for this class. She's trying to do the best thing she can mm-hmm. for her baby. And maybe the situation isn't right for her. Maybe she has a health issue. Like we mm-hmm. were in this group class it's not like we dove deep into her specifics yeah and so I felt really bad for her and then the that same lactation consultant said hey if a doctor ever tells you you should supplement with formula they Mm -hmm. should not be your doctor I remember I heard that same thing and you know cut to when I had my baby you know she wasn't gaining weight after she was born and we can dive into that in a little bit but they the doctor told me just dropped off a six-pack of formula I was like you can't go home until your baby gains weight so here and just left the room. And, or the nurse dropped it off. The doctor yeah. didn't even come in and said, the doctor said, you have to, you have to give formula or you can't go home. And we ended up having a really long hospital stay. And I was like, downstairs, they told me that's a no-go. That's a hard yeah, pass. Right. You know, my sister-in-law, who's a lactation consultant, is on the phone. We had the lactation consultant from the mm-hmm. hospital come in. And so I was just like distraught. So the Well, prep- and I feel like there's that piece too where they miss the... I think sometimes it's missed that this is a new mom and her new baby, and this is the first experience for them going And everybody is different. And there's not the time taken of, let me talk you through why this is, and let me help you make a choice. It's more just, here's this information, and then I'm just going to move on and let you deal with it as you may. Right. It's it's And for them, like, they'd like for you to give the formula, because then your daughter's going to gain weight faster, and then you can leave. Right. And not be. And I never even really thought about the motivation of having us get you out. up and out. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, we, I ended up having a C section, and that's usually a longer hospital stay, but we were there five days. You were there a long time. Um, which is a long time to be in there for with a newborn. Yeah. And they ready. basically were like, well, you have to leave anyway because your insurance is running out. And, like, we just didn't know. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, what was it like for you when you first, like, your first breastfeeding experience, and what, what did that pan out for you? Well, I talked a little bit about this, I believe it was in our last episode with, no, you know what? It was in our second episode. We talked about my breastfeeding advice from doctors. Mm, Yeah. Um, And that was kind of my first experience breastfeeding my daughter. Um, She struggled to latch initially and they gave me a nipple shield to work with, which those things are pretty magical in helping you, especially if you are a first time mom, instead of loofahing your nipples before you start. (laughs) I didn't Um, even know they were a thing until after Claire was born. Yeah. I didn't either, but they handed me one at the hospital because it does kind of get your nipple out in more of like a... Explain what it is. It's it's this little like silicone... I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a little silicone cone that you... That it like sucks your nipple into it basically so they can latch onto that and it kind of looks more like they're drinking out of a bottle with that. And so it just kind of helps them get the latch on if they're struggling to... Um, latch on but I wish that they didn't give it to me as soon as they did because it was Mm -hmm. literally right when she came out and she was struggling to latch and I was like okay let's try this um this thing and she latched on with that but it took me five months to get her weaned off of it so they are good but my advice on that would be it's okay to tell them I want to keep trying just a little bit longer (laughs) before we introduce the shield or introduce the shield but get the lactation consultants in there to try to get the latch right when you have all that help around you as well 
um, because I think I was just so nervous to get her to latch and get her to eat that I just wanted to keep using it. But it made it hard because you have to, like, get it positioned properly and she would knock it off all the time and then she yeah. would eat without it on there. So it made that experience a lot more difficult. Um, and she was also a very slow nurser even with that on. Um, so that was kind of my experience in the hospital as well as she would nurse for a very long time. Yeah. And I mentioned that in our second episode that the doctor was kind of judgy about that, that she's just using me as a pacifier. I'm like, guys. I got really, really hung up because in my stress research, I got really hung up on, like, all of the average timelines, like they say, don't introduce a pacifier until this time because of nipple confusion and don't use a nipple shield or don't like all of the different, you know, don't even try and introduce a bottle until I can't even remember the timelines now, but until so many weeks because of nipple confusion. And if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't be so worried about that, like appropriate timeline. I would just use my intuition, which I wish yeah. I would have done from the get go. Which is why I say mine was different with my second because that's how I was with that. So I was like, well, I don't remember what they said exactly for the pacifier timeline, but like yeah. just trying to go with what seems to be working for you in the moment. And it's stressful. You have this tiny human that you just birthed, your body just went through a trauma. They can't help or hold their head or anything, and you're trying to get them to figure out how to position on to your breast. Around they, the clock with no sleep. Right, and that's the thing. They they need to eat, but they don't know how to do it yet either. So you're both, especially with your first, you're both learning, mm-hmm. and then you, you, you're successful, and then two and a half hours later, it's time for them to eat again. So you don't even get a break from like, oh, I did it, and then you have to do it again. So it's uh it's a lot. And it, it's like when your milk comes in, it hurts. It's painful. No yeah. one really told me about that. How just full, how how just like the pressure of that 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 feels while your milk's coming in and kind of adjusting and just as your nipples get used to it because yeah. that's why someone told you to loofah loofah them because because you like build up a tolerance they like rough up <laughs> they do they do but like the baby's gonna naturally make that happen it's like um, the rough nipple crew and you're just like I've been here before I've like I've here. got this. <laughs> That's terrible. I know. I know. Well, my boobs hurt for all the Just new mamas like out talking. there. <laughs> yeah. I know. I I forgot from baby one to baby two just how bad it hurts when your milk comes in. Because oh. that was like, I don't know. Maybe I didn't was, have pain when my milk came in. See, that's the thing. Maybe you just didn't know. Because, maybe. <laughs> because like with the first, your, it's your first time. We both had C-sections with, with all of our babies. Yeah. Um. And I think the trauma of that and, like, having just brought a new human and healing and yeah. all of that, I think I just... I don't remember anything. I think we anything. felt it, but I think I didn't remember it. I think I was calmer the second time around. Maybe. This is do you, my Okay, real talk. This do is you my think personal... it's women's ability to block shit out because they need to continue to reproduce? Like Maybe. When you had your C-section, did they push on your belly afterwards to, like, check if your um, uterus was, like, contracting as it should? I, I don't even remember. See? I didn't either. They... Mm-hmm. they swore to me in the hospital that they had to have done this the first time i swear when i had my son who was my second baby it was like 12 times that they came in over the span of the three days i was there and pushed on my belly right next to my incision to oh, make sure no. that things were like contracting and maybe they weren't contracting appropriately and they just didn't want to tell me but they were, i was like i don't think you guys did this last time this really hurts <laughs> she's like no i'm we did we have to do this i'm like i don't you might have done like once i don't think you did it this many no. times I was just so upset about it. So I do wonder if I just blocked so much of it out and then I was calmer going into the second time. Maybe. That, like, these experiences You're, like, re-traumatized and, like, traumatized in the worst way because you're, like, oh, now I know. And now I know again, like, what happened. And It's, like, every time you find something something new. Every time. It's, like, ooh, what's around door number two? Like, oh, another traumatizing thing. I thought I was prepared, but I blocked out all (laughs) these hard parts about it. It's just, like, a testament to, like, how badass women are. They are. I when I think you wouldn't back do to it again. The things, you, if you was fresh in your mind, no, you wouldn't do it again. No. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like absorbing that because like I can't. I told Ryan I can't remember. Like I remember the breastfeeding struggles, but I don't remember like the hospital. We were there five days, and we I were. don't. I don't remember. Like I think I blocked it out maybe because mm-hmm. I mean I remember like holding my baby, and I remember. Should we have a longer conversation about how you don't process your stress? Yeah. Are, are you telling me that we need to yeah. talk about this? Hashtag, like, it's time for therapy. Hashtag, my eyes are swelling over. Because I don't process my stress. In 2020, it will be the year I, like, explore therapy and process my stress. For now, we're drinking and talking about breastfeeding past trauma. So, you know, it's it's okay. It's we'll a version there. of therapy. <laughs> yeah. 
laughing is good. The laughing house. <laughs> oh my god. So speaking of your breastfeeding journey, like you're I I am like adjacently stressed out by your breastfeeding journey because you pump the whole time and I have mad respect for mamas Thank who you. pump. Because I it was the worst. Pumping is the worst. Oh, but I recently, I have to say, I'm, like, encouraged because I've had a few friends that have recently had babies, and they're like, pumping is great! And, like, I, I'm like, what? Excuse me? It so, does give you, I guess, well, I don't know if it gives well, you Well, okay, so here's the positives I can see, right? It's, like, it continues to help you produce milk for your baby, so there's, mm-hmm. like, this thing that's this ac- measurable accomplishment. Some True. people really love that. Um, there's if also... If you respond to the pump, it is. If, if you, you respond to the pump, yeah. It's it can really also be frustrating. Yes. Uh, and then I have had feedback from friends that are like, oh, well, I'm still like losing weight because I'm like pumping and, you know, I still like, I'm getting that benefit where like, um, you know, all of those functions are in place, but I'm also like pumping and then my husband can give a bottle and I can sleep and, you know, that's something. What was unique about my pumping journey was I didn't know a breast pump was like a thing I would ever need to use. Mm -hmm. And like, I knew I was going back to work and would eventually pump. And I knew women that were in the office were pumping, but like, I didn't. I didn't process You don't know it. until you know. Yeah. And I didn't too. know that it was, like, by choice. Like, it wasn't by choice. I guess, I again, I mentioned this on the last episode that I thought that you just, like, produce milk, like, when the baby needed it. And, like, I didn't put it together. Like, when you're not with your baby, you still have to produce milk. So, somehow, there was, like, a mental block there. Yeah. Um, but what I didn't expect was when Claire uh, was born, she was born via C-section. And... Um, I hadn't been in labor because it was a scheduled C-section. So she hadn't even, like, pushed through the birth canal or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and what I didn't know is that babies um, that don't go through the birth canal can retain amniotic fluid in their bellies, which their bellies are so, so, so tiny, like like yeah. a walnut or something, or, like, even smaller um, when they're first born. And having fluid in your belly could make you full and not want to eat. And so my tiny human just would not eat like yeah. she wouldn't she wasn't hungry she just wasn't feeding it wasn't a latch issue she would latch and then she would just mm-hmm. cut, fall off um because she just would want to go to sleep and she right. was full and then my second or third night in the hospital i think it was my second night in the hospital she was in the like bassinet next to my hospital bed my husband was asleep on the hospital like couch thing mm-hmm. and i could hear like almost like she was choking and i freaked mm. out and i couldn't i just was cut open for a c-section mm-hmm. so i couldn't move or sit up and i couldn't reach her and i looked and the emergency button was like down had fallen down off the side of the bed and i'm like ryan ryan and i'm calling to my husband i'm like she's choking and she started like turning blue which oh was God. really really traumatic for me um and the nurse came in and super calmly was like, we're just going to take her for a pulse ox and then rushed her out of the room. And Ryan went with her and I can't get up because I'm like strapped into like the things that massage your legs. So you don't get blood clots. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can't move. Well, you couldn't get up anyway. (laughs) And I couldn't reach my cell phone and Ryan's cell phone was in the room anyway. So I couldn't like call and be like, what's going on? Which is such a horrible feeling when you just had that human inside of you and somebody just came and took her out of the room. Yeah. And like, I, I like caught that, look in the nurse's eyes of like she was so calm and wonderful and like I'm getting goosebumps talking about it but like when your baby's turning blue like I freaked out so they wheeled her out and then they had to she was still choking when they brought her in the room this is like my husband's account and they had to like basically like pump her stomach oh my because God. the fluid was like coming up and I don't I don't really know the details yeah because you weren't there um but I know that Ryan was like traumatized by the fact that they had to like pump mm. her stomach and then after that she started to gain a little bit of weight but she st- it still wasn't that much. And the I, as I mentioned, the doctor just, like, had the nurse drop off a six-pack of formula. I was like, mm-hmm. cool. And, like, this whole plan I had and all this work I did, like, I just started to cry. I was like, they told me downstairs, don't give formula. My mm-hmm. sister-in-law is a lactation consultant. Is like, here's how, you know, all the things you can do. I'm on the phone with her, and she's asking which direction my nipples are pointing. And, like, mm-hmm. the people are coming in. And get ready, ladies, if you're going to breastfeed or have a baby, people will be grabbing your boobs and in your business like they lifted my sheet at one point to be like to show my husband how great my scar was healing and I was just like I'm a person like sitting here like no this is so weird yeah um there is that kind of they forget that you're a human yeah like you're just the mom I feel like in a lot of those interactions Mm -hmm. um which is like beautiful too because now you're this mom and it's great but long story short I remember in the hospital I had to say can I pump my own milk? Mm-hmm. And I've, I had read on some blog that, like, hospital pumps are a thing. 
that you can ask for and mm-hmm. that you shouldn't pump early because you don't want to create oversupply. But, like, my baby wasn't eating, so we were, like, and I didn't want to give her formula. Yeah. So I asked for the hospital-grade pump, and they brought one in, and I was pumping, and then we were, like, basically, like, spoon-feeding her at first and then mm-hmm. getting, like, a little um, bottle in, like, just just to get her started. And so her weight started to pick up. Mm-hmm. So then they said, okay, at home, when you get home, have her try and feed for this amount of time, and then if she, you know, still is just popping off throughout that amount of time, pump at home. Then I I just started, like, losing it, and I was like, okay, I just need to pump because I know she's getting this amount. Right. And when I get, when I only pump, and I bring her, we had to go to the doctor, the pediatrician, every single day after we got home, after being in yeah. the hospital five days for, like, another week, which mm-hmm. was really stressful because, like, getting in and out of the car, With and my husband more. had to go back to work. So... I got advice about, like, supplements to take to help my milk come in and those kinds Mm -hmm. of things and um, help make sure my supply was enough. But I didn't know that pumps were a thing. So for Mm -hmm. everyone who is getting ready to have a baby, I would say look into hospital pumps because – your a lot of times your insurance will send you a hosp or will send you a, a breast pump for free or you know from well, because the Affordable fee. Care Act they have to yeah so if you so. check with your insurance and as long as you have like proof of life basically that the baby was born you can call on like the day the baby is born and say hey and they'll mail it to you I had my OBGYN write me a prescription before the baby was born. I did too, but they wouldn't fulfill it until oh, I said, They filled like, mine ahead of time, so I guess mm, it just depends. Yeah. So I had, like, Ryan call it in, like, the day that she was born. So I was using the hospital pump, you know, while I was there. And then and then it just turned into, like, okay, I, you know, we struggled for a couple of weeks. And I was like, look, it's just easier if I pump. And I yeah. know. And it sucks pumping. Well, and you're a very check-the-box yes. type A kind of person. And yeah. so if you can say, I gave her this much, even though the pumping was stressful for you, I think it helped your sanity to know how much she got yeah and then she was gaining weight like a champ and Mm -hmm. it was like she was hitting every milestone and now she's like 98 9th percentile or something yeah right um and it just was a weird thing and nursing wasn't her deal and that's okay so yeah that's kind of how it started did you pump at all i did my daughter and i think i talked about this again in our second episode where my daughter was just a very slow nurser again we had she used the nipple shield for a while. She finally, literally at five months, like knocked it off herself one time and then just latched on and she was good after that. <laughs> um, but we, I got a lot of bad advice about pumping as well to try to make sure she was getting enough, but I didn't respond to the pump as well as you did. Like you ended up with an oversupply really with your pumping, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't respond to it as well. So if I would try to pump all day, it wouldn't, I wouldn't get as much. But what I started to do, she, my daughter, who is my older child, just was born not knowing how to sleep. <laughs> She's never slept, ever. So Hashtag parenting is really great, we promise. It's just hard in the beginning. <laughs> well, I think our, our whole point of doing this podcast is just yeah. to kind of be realistic and have that sense of solidarity because it's okay to feel... feel like you can do it if you feel like you have support and you feel like it's normal that these things happen. Right. If people don't tell you, then you just feel like, you're messing up as a mom and that's not what's happening. Right. Like shit things are meant to happen. Yeah. So she, she was just not a good sleeper at night. And so we did start, I don't remember what month it was. I would pump at night and we would give her a bottle so that I at least knew when she woke up an hour later that it wasn't my fault. Yeah. (laughs) What I believed that she didn't get enough milk, that she wasn't hungry. We just needed to try to help her fall back asleep. So it was was then a self-soothing sleep problem, not a hunger problem. This is when she was probably, I don't know, maybe like six months old or something that we started doing that. Um, so I did pump at night and give her a bottle, which at night I started ending up getting, I would just sit, th- sit there. I probably didn't, I probably in retrospect could have just stopped pumping when I had the amount that she needed for the next day. But it is, it's that kind of like, you get like addicted to it. Like, oh, I'm producing all this milk and right. it's here in case and she needs it. it. Yeah. It's here. I can put it in the freezer. And so I would get like, you know, like 12 ounces a night or whatever. Um, which is a lot. That's a lot. To yeah. get in one feed, a lot. Well, and it's supply and demand. So if you're pumping, you're increasing the and demand. I think that's why I would sit there long enough mm-hmm. that it started the demand for it at night. But it was just addicting to have all this milk. And then I did end up donating a like, couple hundred ounces to a mom who needed it. Which is um, incredible because that's something you can look into. If you're pumping and it's not working and you're breastfeeding and it's not working, you can look into local... Mm-hmm. Um, avenues to have moms that have oversupplies donate their milk so there's there are milk banks which is a whole process to go through but there is a facebook group that i use that's called human milk for human babies and it's 
they have local for each state. And so that's how I got connected with the mom that I ended up donating to. And I would donate regularly to her when I had extras for her baby. Wow. Um, it's just moms reaching out and you just kind of post on there, like I have milk or I need milk and you kind of find a connection that way. Um, and people come get it, but that felt good too, because I, that kind of motivated right. me to keep doing it. Cause I was like, well, somebody else is using it. Um, but that was the only time I pump was just before bed to make sure that my daughter got a full bottle before bed. But even that, that's why I like have so much respect for moms that pump all the time. Cause even doing that one pumping session was just like, Oh, now I have to clean the parts and all that. Not so, the parts. um, Ugh. I know. I know. But speaking of all that stash, too, I still have some stash. I didn't pump that much with my son, only if we had to go somewhere occasionally. Mm-hmm. And then pandemic hit, so we haven't gone anywhere where we had to have a babysitter. But I do have a, like a few bags of milk in my freezer that I know are expired and we're not going to use, but I just cannot get rid of them. But you and I were <laughs> just liquid talking. liquid gold. It is liquid gold. <laughs> um, we were talking about the Instagram page that we've recently found, the liquid goldsmith. Oh, yeah. And her jewelry is beautiful. And I've it's been. pretty rad. It is. And so I've been thinking about that. I'm like, oh, I have these. She makes jewelry out of out breast, of breast milk. milk. So that you can. Which at first, uh, admittedly, sounded strange to me. But now I realize it's like you work so hard. You work so hard for it. And it's like a little piece for of your journey. Thing. Yeah. That you had. What and a cool memory. I know. So I haven't looked into it yet to know um, like what the process is. But I do know I have these bags of milk. So shout out to her. Her jewelry is pretty rad. And we'll link her account kind of in the cool show notes. concept as well. So if you end up having that extra milk. But I can't wait to see what you have. Pumping. I know. <laughs> I know. I saw like the ring she had and it's all very pretty. But that was my kind of my, my my very limited exposure to pumping. I have a couple of pieces of advice for pumping mamas because I wish I could not find any advice on pumping. Like I scoured the internet. There's not a lot. There's not a lot. So a couple of things to know when you are pumping is that different pumps work differently for different moms. So if mm-hmm. you're if you feel like your supply isn't what you want it to be when you're pumping and, you know, you have to pump because you're working or, you know, whatever the case might be, um, or you're away from your baby or whatever. Um, try first different size phalange, phalanges, phalanges. I feel like phalanges is a Phoebe word. I can't help not say phalanges because of Phoebe, but, um, I think phalanges. I think phalanges is probably the word. Do you like how we read all this stuff? I just want to point out, we read these things in our mind as we're like scrolling through the internet at like 3.30 in the morning when our babies won't sleep. And then you think you say it a certain way until you try to say it out loud. Middle of the night research is a whole other thing too. That's something that will happen as a new mom. Do you know how many things I have like like how many deals I made on like Facebook marketplace for like baby items That's at three amazing. in the morning. So I'd be oh. like, Oh, nobody else is up right now. <laughs> See, I was just researching get everything stroller. and then purchasing said like on Amazon. Yeah. This is how I learned about flanges because I and was then the, item, the, the, night. the item shows up at your door and you're like, Oh, did I actually order that? I thought I just thought <laughs> I was, about it. I was delusional. I read a, I saw a meme once that was like, um, the amount of Amazon packages that show up for a new mom are like directly related to how hard the baby's night was the night before. Because like, well, because also you'll try anything. You'll try anything, but also like I found when I am overtired and I see this like sh- shirt or whatever that I want online, I'm like, I deserve it. And then you like purchase <laughs> see, it. I wasn't doing like deserving, but I was like, I definitely need to try out six different sizes of phalanges. <laughs> phalanges. We're just going to call them I'm just going to call them phalanges. I will say it wasn't usually something. It was like a breastfeeding shirt yeah, or something. I'd be like, sure, I can buy this $29 I shirt. That seems it. like a great idea. I am sustaining life, damn it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that will make this process easier on me. I should buy it. And it shows up and I'm like, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, definitely check out the different phalange, phalanges. phalanges. We're just going to call them phalanges. Do you want to spell it for our listeners? Because... No, I I got nothing. <laughs> nope. Uh, nope. Prosecco is F-L-A-N-G-E-S. Is that how? I, think I stopped is. listening. Or maybe my brain like blocked out. I was trying to plan the rude. next letters. Rude. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> so check out the different sizes. If that doesn't work, also check out different pumps. Because I've had like mm-hmm. the pump I swore by was not the pump that... And I know like they can be expensive and... Um, that's really tough. So talk to your doctor, talk to friends that maybe have a pump from when they were pumping. Um, yeah. I do know that new pumps are a lot more efficient, so the, they can get like kind of worn mm-hmm. down. Well, and I had a friend reach out to me and ask about pumps before she had her baby. And I just tried to find one that had a lot of different speeds, a lot of different suction options mm-hmm. so that at least she had things to play around with if it didn't 
quite work that she had options. And talk to your doctor because sometimes their prescription will only be for one kind of pump. Oh, okay. Like I call, I had, I like mine was I had to call three different insurance companies, or my I had to call three different makers because my insurance company would cover these three kinds, Mm. and so I had to like kind of research between those. But there are different speeds, there are different features, and like read the reviews. And if you have options, great. If not, um, you know, there's a lot of great resources on the internet that tell you about even the manual pumps. I've had friends that manual pump was the only way they did it, which sitting there for half an hour like and my supply did not um because I wasn't I didn't ever breastfeed I had to pump for longer sessions to like get the same result so the sound of the pump will drive you absolutely bonkers so get some really great headphones get an audiobook like watch the show you want to watch when Mm -hmm. you are plugged in Use that as well, your Well, because time. if you're stressed out and annoyed by the sound and watching your milk drip out into the bottles, from what I understand, that's not helping your situation because the stress of it yeah. is. I've noticed that the st- or I did notice that the stress really inhibited my supply. Uh, the worst part of exclusively pumping was like if you were in a pinch where your baby was hungry and mm. you're pumping and like your husband is holding the baby. So if somebody is, that's another tip is if somebody is watching the baby for you while you are pumping. Yes, it can be great to, like, see the baby to help generate your milk. But if they are in a state of, like, fuss, mm-hmm. have them take the baby elsewhere. Get out of there because yeah. you need to be able to not be – at least for me, the sound of my baby's cry made me panic. And it wasn't mm-hmm. – it didn't make my milk come in. It made me think, like, I can't hold her because, like, I'm bigger yeah, chested. And if I held her, she would you. knock off the the phalanges. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Check the size of your flange, check the pump. <laughs> get get I some, that we're just committing Get to some that. me time while you're pumping wear headphones watch a show do something that will distract you from the sound also there are really great wireless pumps now i've heard lv which is i'll link it in the show notes but i i didn't use it personally but i've heard such awesome things about it Well, and i know for our listeners that can if if you can afford more a more expensive pump i know that you said since since your pumping experience that that would have been worth it a hundred times over i would pay a thousand dollars right if it meant um I could get up and walk around mm-hmm. while pumping because um, I, I'll have to look into, like, exactly how much time it is. I read somewhere that, like, the amount of time you spend pumping and preparing parts is, like, equivalent to a full-time job with vacation time. And doing that on top of your regular life and then cleaning all the parts is crazy. So, yes. also, you can refrigerate your parts after you use them. So, for, like, one or two pumps, you can reuse the same pumps if they're refrigerated. Obviously, that was great yeah. advice. For my first three four, five, maybe months, I was scrubbing them after each, scrubbing and sanitizing them after each pump, which which is is a million times a day. Right. So order extras. They're not that crazy on Amazon. They can arrive in your Amazon panic order. And um, you can get the waterproof bags that you can put them in in the Mm. refrigerator Mm -hmm. so they stay, like, sanitary and cold and, you know, they're not just, like, out there for the world to see, like, in the fridge. Because I didn't personally want to, like, see my pump parts, like, chilling in the fridge next to like my leftovers you know well and also as I'm as you're talking about this I didn't realize that pumping bras were a thing yeah until I was sitting there holding the pump on so whether you're gonna pump once a day or once in a blue moon or 18 yep. times a day the pumping bras are definitely a good thing to either put on your baby registry or just purchase yourself yeah on Amazon because it is worth it and you have to find what works for you like I had friends recommend ones that didn't work for me because we were different size chests mm-hmm. so like I personally am bigger chested I liked the Medela um like sports bra kind of thing oh, yeah. that like kind of and it like kind of held them in place but I know like a friend of mine that is a little bit smaller chested really like the like strapless zip up that's the kind that I bra. had but I didn't pump as much so I yeah. think it also might be I think you were doing more too probably yeah too while you're pumping so that's and I was like the working sports bra in the office durable because I had to pump when I went back to work and mm-hmm. I was like trying to answer emails while I was pumping because it just yeah. took so much time. It like wasn't feasible to not yeah. work. So I think those ones are a little bit more expensive, but if you're going to be pumping yeah, more often or like feeling like you need more coverage while you're doing it, so, not that your nipples aren't out anyways, <laughs> being sucked into a machine, but you know. Real story though, I can't tell you. So the, I, I would like leave, I had a whole pumping setup from this like lounge or not lounge chair, like a recliner in my house mm-hmm. and I would pump and it was like a whole system and then I would like get up topless like waddle to the <laughs> sink because I have like the phalanges and the milk and everything still on my boobs because I was terrified to drop it because whoever this the saying like 
oh, don't cry over spilled milk. Like, Unless definitely milk, never breastfed or breast pumped or whatever I was doing. Who knows? I still have PTSD. But I would walk over to my kitchen sink. Well, like many others, I have a window right in front of my kitchen sink. It didn't occur to me till like, six months later, and I didn't have, a like, a curtain or anything over yeah. my kitchen window, that we live in Arizona, and there's block walls around your backyard. And my neighbor's around us could often like I would see like the tops of their heads over the wall Mm. sometimes I never it never occurred to me that like my neighbors have probably seen my tits like countless occasions because I'm just like do 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 and like like, hi these things off and then like and I'm still topless like just cleaning the stuff and like taking the parts off and pouring the bottles into like mix them and like so um you get real desensitized to like having the girls out right so that actually I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about when you're saying that between breastfeeding my first kid and my second, I think that's that's kind of a big piece that if you aren't going to be a pumping mom, if you're going to be feeding your baby on the breast, that's a big adjustment getting used to being okay having having them out like yeah <laughs> in front of other humans that you don't normally have that out like be it like a like I have brothers or my dad or mm-hmm. things like that that I was like this just does not feel okay so with my first I think that made it kind of a tortured experience for me because I even with a cover would not feed in front of anybody else because I didn't want to make anybody uncomfortable and I had my own discomforts with it but just because of how much I was worried about how other people were feeling or or if somebody would accidentally see something, I just was. And again, generally, generationally, we thought that was like a taboo thing yes. from the generation that raised us. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would always go somewhere, like into another room, and then my daughter would take, you know, sometimes forty minutes to feed, and so I would just kind of be discluded from whatever event was happening, or I would try to pump so that we could then give her a bottle. And when I look back on that, I'm like, that was just so unnecessary because. A, who cares what anybody else is thinking? Because I have this human that I'm trying to feed. Like, whether you're sustaining life, pumping (laughs) or breastfeeding from the breast, you're sustaining life. And so, with your body, and it's magical. But having that extra taboo around it just made it so hard for me because I was just so worried about that, that I missed out on so many things. And I was so stressed and worried about that piece that it just took away from the experience of just being in that baby moment for me and when I had my son I just thought I was like well I'm not going to miss out on everything because I had that motivating factor of I'm not going to miss out on stuff with my daughter because I'm trying to hide myself away while I'm feeding my son so who cares what any of these people think and so I was more open to feeding him wherever and that made me so much more successful in breastfeeding I at the end of the day on paper was quote unquote successful in breastfeeding both of them because we you made it to over a year which I feel is like the right like benchmark yeah so I was successful until they you know switched solids and whatever but it was just such a different experience like when I remember breastfeeding her I was so I had so much emotional turmoil around it because of so many things that had nothing to do with actually breastfeeding her Mm -hmm. but you do you have all those extra things because you're transitioning to being a mom and that new identity shift, and you've never once before had your boobs out in public. And you um, feel like a cow that, like, is pumping it's milk. It's a very weird, yeah, it's a very weird um, social pressure thing, yeah, so whether you're, however you're doing it, but with my son, I found, I had a cover, a breastfeeding cover with him that was, like, a 360 cover. It was actually a car seat canopy that was Those very lightweight mm-hmm. that you could put over the canopy, which is great for especially Arizona or wherever you live just to block the sun, but not be suffocating because they are so lightweight but when I used it for breastfeeding I found with my daughter I had a cover that only kind of like went around my neck and went in the front but I always felt like the side angle or she would um like swat at it when I would try to feed her because he wants to be fed with a cover over their head right and so I would just feel like I was exposed and then that would add to the stress of trying to get her latched properly so I had this one that went all around me and so that's kind of my advice on if you are feeding from the breast a cover like that that's really helped great advice. me with comfort. And now, if you even feed from without pumping, a cover, great. I am so I am proud of all the mamas that can feed without without a cover. Because when I see anybody out in public, I literally just want to go give them a hug and be like, "Thank you, right? Thank you for normalizing this um, for those of us that are not comfortable yet doing it that way." And now I would in front of friends or whoever, like I would feed in front of you I or whatever, pumping in front of you and be like, "Oh, sorry, like because it's is like, just yeah, it's you're in the comfort of your home or your friend's home, and we don't." You know, yeah. we're all, if you're a mom, you're not sensitive to it at all. But 
right, I think hindsight that cover helped. Hindsight, I look back and I'm like, I could, I would have been way more um, open mm-hmm. now that I realized like how much work it yeah. was I was putting in in the moment. Do you feel that well, way? Because you, yeah, well, you add extra pressure about you add extra pressure when you're trying to f- be private about it, I guess. Yeah, and I think from baby one to baby two, I had you pumping in front of me. I had other moms who were just breastfeeding in front of me, usually with a cover, but some without a cover as well. And I think that just made me be like, "Oh, this this is normal, and this is okay. And why am I going to stress myself out or miss out on something because I'm trying to yeah hide away this thing that at the end of the day, I know we both said it's not natural. It is natural, and that it's a natural human." functional thing that's happening it's just I think our point in this podcast today is that it's a lot of learning that goes into it yeah and a lot of doing things that you don't quite know how to do yet another point to that too is we again it's like breastfeeding bullies where you know people have an opinion Mm -hmm. which is funny because they wouldn't come up to you and be like oh what are you gonna have for lunch today is it gonna be healthy and perfect and whatever and also like I remember the lady who like was like you're gonna breastfeed right like she was an overweight lady and I remember thinking what if I went up to you and was like, oh, are you going to eat that McDonald's today? It just felt like very yeah, you would. hypocritical, but also people like to demonize formula. And right. my goal was to make it to one year of pumping mm-hmm. um, so that at least like she would have the milk for one year. I can't remember if it was like eight months or seven months or nine months. I can't remember. But again, blocked it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got the flu and right. my milk supply diminished super harshly because I wasn't sleeping and I was sick and whatever and dehydrated and all the things and my milk supply like never came back and my husband was like why don't we try formula and he said it so nonchalantly and I remember thinking like that's easy for you to say I have like this pressure of the world probably like I flipped out yeah I jumped on him (laughs) I did and he was trying to be so helpful and he was trying to like help me see that it's perfectly normal and do you know that not one negative thing happened when we switched no, to formula? She was like even happier because I was happier. I was mm. sleeping. I wasn't worrying about like, am yeah. I freezing enough milk? Do I have enough? And because right. I was getting to the point where like my stash was not a really great freezer stash. Mm-hmm. It was like I would have a freezer stash for a full day if she ate this amount. But if she was really hungry one day, then I was kind of screwed. And that was really stressful. It's and really awful feeling to not feel like you have enough to feed your baby. Yeah. And it just made me feel terrible. And then when I switched to formula and I had this like ready stash available, again, I know formula is expensive and some babies do have reactions to formula. And so there's different things to try. So talk to Mm -hmm. your doctor about what the right formula is or what's best for you in your circumstances. But I was a better mom to Claire when I was formula feeding her Mm -hmm. than when I was a hot mess express worrying about, can I pump on top of spending time with you on top of spending Mm -hmm. time with my husband on top of work on top of cleaning on top of whatever and that's the important distinction is that yes it is a good thing for your baby to have breast milk but also it's a good thing for your baby to have a sane mother who doesn't feel like they're over stressing about all these other things and either way they're fed and I think that's kind of I'm glad you brought that up as well because we don't want to do this episode making moms think that they have to breastfeed it's just we had such different experiences with it the point is is it's different for everybody it's different for everybody and I think what I try to ask any mom friends I have that have chosen to breastfeed and then are struggling with it is I'm like, okay, are you coming to me because you want me to help you try to figure out your breastfeeding success and problems that you're having? Or are you coming to me because you think you want to go to formula and you just feel like you need somebody to tell you that's okay? You're the best like therapist ever. (laughs) No, because I, you really, she's not like bullshitting. She like legitimately did that for me. And that was such a helpful thing just to know that like either way is okay. And because no mom, no mom ever, I feel like at least in my circle has come out and just said, I think I want to switch to formula. It's yeah. like you almost need somebody to give you permission. So, And for any new mom, ask them, do you want advice or do you want to just vent? Because either way, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's hard and I just don't know. I don't want to, I would never want to because how torturous would that be if like what your friend actually needs to hear is it's okay to stop. Yeah. And you're hearing, oh, you want help? Here's all this advice because that doesn't help. Right. So it's, it's important to figure out, meet people where they're at and figure out no matter what decision you make. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> And everyone will have an opinion on it. Um, and that was something I had to get more toughened up to because I am somebody who really worries about what people think. You know what's best for you and your baby. Yeah. All right, okay. George. Well, on that note. You know what time it is? It's time for a crazy check. <laughs> crazy check. All right. Lay it on me. What do you got? 
So <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day because I know you do this too, because you have my same level of anxiety. I hope you do, or you're going to tell me I'm crazy. But <laughs> so my son, who is- Here, I might be crazy. Also, I know you are this level of crazy with me. That's why we're friends, That's okay? <laughs> So my son is who I talked about at the beginning of the episode. He's 22 months old. He's the younger of my two children. It does not matter that I have two children, though, because I still go to this level of crazy about any physical illness they've had. Like, I have texted you at, you know, 7 p.m. as I'm zipping my baby into his his sleeper for the <laughs> night. Like, uh, do I need to be worried about this thing? Um, so I was thinking about it the other it's day the because he, he – we were – we were having a meal the other day. I don't know if it was lunch or his dinner, but he, we looked over and my husband and I were both like, why is his ear so red? Like his earlobe was very red. I don't know why. It was a very strange thing. Like he didn't hit his head. There was nothing <laughs> that he could have like injured it by. He does, if he gets any type of mosquito or bug bite, it turns into a very red mark and then it's gone the next day. Hmm. He has very, very sensitive skin. Uh, we have like special, I've talked to you about this too, special soaps and lotions and everything because he does get reactions to things. But why I was thinking I was crazy the other night is because it was probably like six hours in which his ear looked this way mm-hmm. during the day. And I kind of was watching it and I was like, oh yeah, it's not getting any worse. I don't really know what it is. Maybe it was a bug bite. Maybe it was this or that. Wait, pause. Mom hack. If you see your kid has a bug bite, and I learned this from emergent stuff. Yes. If you see your kid has a bug bite, just take a little pen and mark it so that for, you can have sanity for the rest of the day and know if it's getting bigger it's or It's getting bigger. And well, then that, you can stop thinking That was it. the other thing that I texted you about because the first time that he got a mosquito bite, it got so big and red. And I know that Claire, your daughter, had had really a really bad reaction that you they did end infected. up in urgent care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it got infected. So I was like, I'm literally zipping him with his bites into his, into his sleeper at night. And I'm like... I texted him, like, is this okay? And you did. You ran through all the things to look at, and his were fine. And the next day, they looked fine because they weren't they weren't spreading and didn't have any reaction or anything. But I didn't know that until you told me that to mark it. But I was kind of eyeballing it that I yeah. knew it hadn't spread. But with his ear, it's contained, but it's just very red. And he sleeps the same way every night. So he sleeps on one <laughs> ear. on his little cheek side. His one little cheek side. And it was that ear. So I was like, well, it could have just been... Something from that. I don't know. But there was a full, like, six hours of awake time in which I was not worried about this earlobe because I was looking at it. It wasn't changing. It wasn't spreading. It wasn't hot. It was just a weird, I don't mm-hmm. know why this happens. Which we as moms all know that there's just things that happen that we're like, I don't know why this thing is happening to you. And then it's gone the next day. Right. And you're like, okay, well, I panicked and went down a Google wormhole about that. But <laughs> Google wormhole. The way you said that sounded so funny. Google wormhole. But where I would think I'm crazy is that I I was fine about it for, like, the six hours of daylight. But then as I'm putting him to bed. Because you're, like, multitasking. I'm like, I'm going to wake up in the morning and his entire head's going to be red. This thing's going to spread. It's going to be terrible. Catastrophizing, like, at bedtime. He lays on that one side of his bed, his head all night. What if it doesn't get air and then it's worse? But it's like. His ear's going to fall off. Okay, I'm, I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> you are making fun of me. <laughs> but you've thought it, right? Yes. Okay, see, we're. I think we shouldn't do crazy tricks on one another because we're the same level. Of crazy. <laughs> we are the same level of insane. But it's like there's something about nightfall in which you know you're human if they are to the stage where they sleep through the night that there's going to be, you know, 10, 11 hours in which they're in their room sleeping and yeah. you don't know what you're going to find when you wake up the next no. day. Because I, like, I don't know happen. about your monitor, but mine is like grainy and I like we I mean like, mine doesn't tell me if his head turns red. <laughs> it's not going to tell you if his ear <laughs> fell off. No, but like the visual on and why okay, I don't understand this also because cell phones are so fantastic. Why is the why are baby monitors such shitty like quality. I'm very upset with all of my baby Video. monitors. Like we got like top of the line one once. Mine are both broken. And like I still couldn't see shit and I couldn't see what was going on. And then now, like I mean, I could put my cell phone in there and have better like have idea better view. of what's yeah. going on. But to your crazy check, was there more to it? No, it's just kind of the. I just kind of realized that my mind goes to a very dark place. Yeah. As soon as I'm putting him to bed, like I'm totally fine with the thing as long as I can monitor it. But if I, A, don't know what it is, especially, yeah. or B, ex- know what it is, but <laughs> can't so monitor it, <laughs> I, like, go off the deep end. I'm like, I think it's going to be horrible. What if, like, something something's going to happen while I'm not watching you um, through the night, which, side note, his ear, it subsided over the next few days. I still totally don't know fine. what it was. Yeah, but the, it was but probably the eight hours right. between when you laid him down and woke him up, like, you I literally panicked. went in, and I went in there in the morning just being like, oh, God, what am I going to find? Right. You're, like, and, preparing for the worst. I So, I think, so my opinion on this is that you are not crazy. 
mean you're crazy, but not because of this. Okay. And <laughs> the reason is is that I feel like, at least this is my thought, that moms are so their days are so packed with their tiny humans. Mm-hmm. Like I've like I've kind of taken inventory recently of like what I'm doing because I'm trying to like give myself credit for the shit that I do. Yeah. And you it's should. a lot. I mean, like you can't eat, you can't pee, you can't do anything without a tiny human there. Yes. Um, at least in our current situations, um, or anytime you're with your kids. As a stay at home parent, I can attest to you that like that. I think that was the when you when you first started staying home with Claire while also working. Yeah. And you kind of expressed to me that she was watching you pee. And I'm like, dude, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I haven't peed by myself in five years. It's not a luxury that I get in life anymore. (laughs) You're like, oh, that's cute that you, like, knew what it was like to pee by yourself. Um, But how are those long, luxurious pees in your office? I think that, like, the withdrawal, it's like, it's like a withdrawal symptom. (laughs) I mean, I really feel like that. It's like. It's the reason why moms stare at pictures of their babies when their babies go to sleep after they've been counting down the minutes and seconds to bedtime. I've literally done that where I'm like, I cannot wait till bedtime. I am so tired today and I just, I love my human, but I want her to sleep so that I can just be relaxed. And then what do I do? I'm like looking at photos of her. Yeah, and like recounting the cute moments from the day because you forget all the bad ones. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, she woke up. I wouldn't be mad because I could snuggle her. Like the insanity. So I think A, it's withdrawal. That's crazy. It is crazy. Okay, so maybe I'm the crazy one here. Great. <laughs> crazy check. That's backfired. So let I'm the one giving advice today. Um, but also, I think, too, um, the anxiety that occurs at night for moms is a different level of anxiety. Because, A, That's you're not true. occupied by anything but your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're, like, consolidating all the memories that you have from that day. So you've run through everything and all the thoughts you had and all the things you didn't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, I, like, beat myself up sometimes about the things. I have to be really cognizant not to beat myself up about things yeah. I didn't do, things mm-hmm. I didn't accomplish, things I didn't pay attention to mm-hmm. um, as a parent. I mean, obviously, I'm, like, watching my kid, and she's Right, safe. we're right. <laughs> but, uh, and then when I worry about the things, like, Claire recently has gotten nosebleeds, and the other night, right before bed, like, oh, I put her, I because we turned the heat on, and I think it got a little uh-huh. bit dry. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> And, like, we've tried out humidifier since then and it's fine but um she like I hear her on the monitor and she's like I have a nosebleed and I like I run in sure enough she's like it's all over it's like murder scene nosebleed like just because she like got it on the bears and then whatever and then I clean her up and then so then (laughs) I go down the google wormhole like you called it and I'm like severe nosebleed and of course like was it severe no and like I asked her I'm like what happened she goes I just don't like boogies very much she was trying to get oh, the booger out of her nose out and, and she picked her nose and it like caused a nosebleed yeah and the whole rest of the night I was like googling severe nosebleeds and I got like regular regular nosebleeds like through my young adolescent years I think I remember and I was okay like even in like high school they just yeah. happened all the time. But I, I feel very dry the, the internet is a really bad place very to go. Dry nose. <laughs> I'm sorry about you. I'm going to, like, jump off a neti pot. Like, and, like, <laughs> no. Merry Christmas. No, you're not supposed to do that. Well, okay. Don't mess with the natural chemistry of your nose or your ears. We've talked about this. <laughs> Right, but I'm the crazy one. <laughs> no. no, you're right, you're right. Okay. okay. I, I but I remember of... my mom would put, like, paper, not paper, put towels down on my bed after oh. she had, like, cleaned it all up. So that's kind of my memory of having yeah. got nosebleeds all the time. But I was fine. No, but the fact of the matter is, like, she got a nosebleed because it's dry, we put the heat on. And it's Arizona. It's an already dry climate with right. the heat on. Um, And I went down this rabbit hole of, like, she has a brain tumor. And, like, I'm not paying attention to Do this enough. you know enough. how many things you search that your children have that the number one thing is yes. a tumor yeah. or cancer? it's like what it, it don't really, do it don't. and mamas you're gonna do it so find yourself a friend that you can have a crazy check with because you will you you're gonna google i mean i don't care yeah. who you are no but you're gonna google it but when you have that gut-wrenching oh my god you need to have somebody that you can reach reach out to and say yeah. hey i went down the google wormhole and i need to just give this to you and tell me in the morning like because it's gonna be one in the morning or two in the morning or sometimes three in the, in the morning. morning that that's not what my kid has and in your i love that you said that there's a different level of anxiety at night because it so mm-hmm. is and that's something that i have told myself recently is when Your i'm stressing about something at night i literally will just tell myself you cannot fix this thing right now you've worried about it as much as you as much as you can think about it again in the morning and see how you feel because after a night's sleep, I, I'll nine times out of ten, ten think about the thing from the night before, and I'm like, oh, I was yeah. totally overstressing about that because I was only at like twenty percent 
brain capacity at that point in the day. Right. And so when you have a fresh mind, it's so much easier. And I think I think part of it is that you can't um you you can't do anything about it at that moment. And like right. moms, like the thing that makes moms magical is that they like spring into action at like a moment's notice. Like mm-hmm. kid has a nosebleed, the thing is cleaned up in three seconds flat. Yeah. Like uh, you can catch something that, like, your kid didn't even know they were going to drop five minutes ago. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, uh, you just have these instincts as a mom during the day that you can put yes. into action when you're laying you're in their bed and they're laying in their bed. There's nothing you can do. And it's like an extension of your body. And I think that's yeah. angsty to begin with. Um, but giving it to you like, and saying, like, hey, I'm, I just found out on Google that I'm probably dying this week. Like, I, I literally did this earlier this week with all yeah. my symptoms and was like, so I'm just going to, like, see how it is in the morning. And I, like, gave it to you because, like, yeah. that's not going to put you at the same level of anxiety. Right. And if it did, I'm sorry. But, no. <laughs> um, but like, find yourself a support system. And if you don't have a support system, write it down or put it in your phone as, like, a note. Hey, look into this in the morning if you still feel concerned. Yes, yes. Like, Get it out of your brain. Give yourself an actionable something you can do mm-hmm. um, to investigate in the morning. Like, get, like give yourself the appointment so that you know that, like, oh, this is something I will show up for and figure out so that you can sleep. And you're going to wake up and look at the notes in your phone and be like, I was crazy because yeah. I was having my mom anxiety. But at the same time, maybe there's but something that's better. Yeah, and it also feels better to look back at that version of yourself the night before. And fully go, awake. Okay. Yeah, and be fully awake. And also... As we kind of wrap this episode up, I wanted to say, too, if you're having these crazy checks or whatever, message our page. Like, we'll talk through them. Yeah. We'll try to help you work it out as well because our whole point in doing all this is trying to just create this mom community where there is just honesty and authenticity and just solidarity. So find us on the Whiny Moms podcast page. Uh, send us, if you have a crazy check, if you have something that you just need to get off your plate and onto ours that you would like us to discuss, feel free to send that, give us a follow and make sure you're subscribing to hear our podcast when they come out with new episodes. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you like this episode, give us a five-star rating on Apple podcast and we'll see you Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.